thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, a podcast exclusively about series that are about time travel, but also parallel universes. This is our first and last episode. I am your host, Tyler Hannon. With me is my co-host, Kayla St. Anch. Hello. Kayla, how's it going? Uh, it's good. Happy to be on this. <laughs> <laughs> Work is killing me and I want to die. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's good to be on this uh, monthly podcast schedule yeah and we're doing it this is it this is like the second one it's not a trend we're doing it we've done a podcast (laughs) two consecutive months in a row two episodes is a habit right i think so i mean there are two dots on the chart there's a line so there's a trend there's a month over month uh yeah trend line you can tell that work work is on the brain (laughs) trend lines graphs trend lines bars reach numbers no, that's too much. Tonality figures. No, no, no. We don't work for any companies that do anything like that. Oh. Since there's only one company that does it at this point in time, I think. Okay, fine. We're here to talk about the Happy Death Day series. As, you know, hinted at by time travel, but also... Par- oh, that's spoilers. Well, you're here. You know, this is what we do. This is a spoiler-happy podcast. Yes. We're going back to our original-ish format in that we're going to have a recently watched section, not tied thematically in any way towards our main discussion and then we'll get to the main discussion so kayla yeah what is the movie you've watched recently so i actually i'm going to talk about a couple of movies i watched recently because they all take place in the span of the same week i think question mark so uh recently i undertook the hilarious task of watching all three john wick movies in one day because uh, Ben put the first one on against my wishes. Because not that I not that I had anything against John Wick. I love Keanu, love slick, beautiful neon things. However, I just emotionally could not stand the thought of having to watch a precious puppy die. So I literally did not watch the movie for three years. <laughs> I think it's been out because uh, I'm that can watch a million horror movies, but you kill a puppy and I am out. <laughs> Anyway, I ended up loving the first one so much, and because Tyler has the uh, two-pack on Voodoo, free Voodoo promo, uh, we watched the second one, and then I came to the amazing realization that at the time, John Wick 3 was still in theaters, so I asked Ben if he would be willing to do that since we'd already we we're planning on watching the second one and there was like a 5 p.m. showing so I texted Tyler and asked if he would be willing to embark upon this mission with us to see the third one after I caught up on the first two and he was gleefully happy to do so and uh wow those are some movies um I love Keanu Reeves he is a beautiful pure murder machine that he I would die to, for. He just wants to remember his wife. You he know? just he just wants to have like a simple life, and they just keep coming up with reasons for him to not have a simple life. It wasn't just about a dog. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first one is a fun, slick little action movie, and the second and third ones are absolutely fucking bonkers. In the best way. I think the only review that I put on Letterboxd for number two was I too would dramatically slit my wrists in a bathtub to spare Keanu Reeves from having to kill me. And that's just like, I don't know. They're just like these big goth neon movies with like beautiful music and beautiful choreography of death. (laughs) 
And like, I don't know. It's not usually my thing. Like, I'm not really like a stylized violence person, but just something about these. Although I will say maybe watching all three in the same day isn't great because I definitely by the end of the third one was like a little fatigued with all the murder and death. But um, overall, a fun little series that it seems like they're just going to keep getting to do bigger and crazier. Just say no longer little. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, there's a universe now, the agitator, whatever they're called. The adjudicator? Yes, that. That completely made up word that doesn't make sense. That one. They adjudicate. Yeah, I don't know. And it's also like... I don't know. Keanu Reeves is just so pure. I believe in his cause. There's a non-binary character. There's good dogs everywhere. <laughs> like It's just a great series. I don't know. I, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I thought I would grudgingly like them. And I kind of came out of at least number two being like all in on the series. <laughs> so I don't know. It's good stuff. TikTok man spinoff one, though. Yeah, Jason Menzuka's like <laughs> my favorite, perfectly cast somehow. <laughs> my favorite still frame in the whole movie has to be when the adjudicator hands their umbrella to the TikTok man. He's just got like for a brief second, he's like, oh, oh, oh okay. I just, I don't know. There's something about, I just Real I love good. Jason Menzuka's. Love Morpheus. <laughs> love, who else is in these? Everybody. I love everybody in these movies. <laughs> Real good. Good dogs. Good dogs. Lots of good dogs. Lots of good dogs. I definitely, when he got his other dog, was internally screaming, thinking something would also happen to that dog. But when he drops that dog off at the hotel, I was very happy. <laughs> I just could not handle another dog death. He used one of his precious gold coins just to make sure, you know, his boy was all right. So good. <laughs> so pure. I just can't. I don't know. I'm like, I love that I am saying he's so good and so pure when he murders literally 200 people over the course of a week. But they, they all had it coming. They and tried they all, to murder him first. Yeah, they all deserved it. Like, let's be real. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's good movies. Uh, recommend if you think that maybe they're not for you. Um, give it a shot. If you don't like the first one, you won't like the rest of them because they <laughs> only get more crazy from there. But uh, neat little world. I honestly... My last point is that I would read a giant tome of mythology about how this entire system works. I can't remember who it was. Somebody tweeted and they were saying something along the lines of, somebody explain the coins in this world because the coin is either good for life protection or one phone call. And I don't understand. So, I mean, how much do you value the phone call? Is it worth your life? True. I don't know. The coin system makes no sense, but I'm obsessed with it. It's when you need a favor. You know? Also, that entire sequence in the second movie when he's going to kill the Ultimo goth lady where they're just at a music festival and it's just beautiful music set to murder. So my vibe. So into it. I don't know. Music set to murder as opposed to murder set to music, which is usually what we get. Yes. 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 So yeah. Uh, strong endorsement. <laughs> big, big like. <laughs> Tyler, what have you watched recently? Uh, well, in much the same vein, I watched uh, another movie about a man going to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what That's you're about to say. That's the one connection. I watched uh, Cure for Wellness, the uh, wildly <laughs> successful Gore Verbinski 2017 blockbuster. Yep, those are the same kind of movie. 
The exact um, same. Uh, Cure for Wellness, a two and a half hour long, just weird. Uh, you, I mean, we talk about blank check too much, but when you talk about blank checks, I, this movie is absolutely one of the weirdest things I've seen. Got to spend so much money on it, and I love it. And actually, it should be five hours long. Uh, <laughs> It's one of those movies where, like, I don't, I don't, like, I'm like, I can't recommend it, but I also can't recommend it enough. Is this going to be another movie that totally... you like, but nobody else likes? Listen, it has the Karen Han endorsement, and that's all, that's all the Is backup. Is Dan on... a Karen's boy? Oh, he's pretty young for a Karen's boy, but maybe. Do you want, do we want to get into other film Twitter? No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. I just had to ask. No, uh, care for, like... I, it reminded me how much uh, the ring is actually like if there was a like a uh, founding fathers of my horror taste, Gore Verbinski's adaptation of the ring would be up there uh, because we got like a minute into like just weird, wet child soundtrack stuff going on. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is this is my shit right here. And then there was a train. There was a train. And it we rewatched. And it was really cool. We rewatched The Ring together, not that, like, a couple summers ago, didn't we? I think so. And I remember us both being shocked at how well it held up. So I think maybe Gore Verbinski knows what he's doing, guys. I mean... Minus the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. What? what, The first Pirates of the Caribbean is good. No, he did the third one. The third Pirates... I like the third Pirates movie. I haven't watched it in a while, but, like, that thing's nuts. Uh, Okay. Are you sure it's not good? I, I have, have never liked it. Any you probably of the watched it more recently it. than me. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm trying to think. That seems like a series that Ben would make me watch for no reason, but I don't think I've seen it since I was in high school. I mean, the but third I didn't one like is it. Really weird. I didn't like it when it came out, and I definitely didn't like it in high school. Okay. So that's too, too not like. I'm I mean, to surreptitiously IMDb Gore Verbinski right now, and it's not working because <laughs> I can't type. <laughs> Yeah, this movie. Uh, this oh, movie is absolutely nuts. It's about a Dane DeHaan is like you know life sold to the finance industry, being a big top money making exec. He's sent out to a wellness center that nobody returns from to fetch a I don't know executive for finance merger reasons, but he gets trapped there, and it's like. He kind of gets sucked into the world, but also it's really weird. And this is obviously there's something culty going on. Ultimately, the answer, I I don't think the answers are kind of like satisfying, but I kind of just enjoyed being in this like weird Swedish wellness world that is just like wet and bright, but also dark. Uh, It is a real mood. Sure, if you break it down to, like, the plot mechanics and the character motivations and stuff, it's kind of a, eh, whatever. Does a movie have to be good as well as good? <laughs> can, a be- can a movie be great without being good? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hey, update, I looked at Gore Verbinski's IMDb and I've changed my mind. He uh, does not know what he's doing, ever. <sighs> Sorry, just a quick uh, rundown. Mouse Hunt. Great. That, for some reason... As a child, I was literally terrified of the movie Mouse Hunt. I have no idea why, because as far as I can tell, it's literally just a movie about a a mouse outsmarts two guys. But something about it, I saw it maybe just a little bit too young. And just I think there was one joke about them wanting gleefully to kill the mouse. 
And every time anybody would even bring up the idea of watching the film Mouse Hunt, I would just dissolve into tears. I mean, you refused to watch John Wick for three years because yes. an animal was killed. Um, so yeah, going on, um, The Ring. He did direct all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, so it's all his fault. Okay, I was going to say. The Weatherman, Rango, The Lone Ranger, and A Care for Wellness. Yeah, so I mean, you have four masterpieces on there. The Wolf. Ring, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, First Pirates of the Rango, Caribbean. Is good. And a cure for wellness. I've never seen Rango. Masterpieces, every one, on the same level. I will still, despite everything, I like the first parts of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a good It's, it's a, a good, good movie, time. and it could have just been done. Could have just been done. And yet, and then we just ended up here and now. Maybe in the he alternate. He didn't do the fourth or fifth one. Yeah, maybe in the alternate oh timeline. God, five of them. Where we're not in the bad place, there was only one Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> I don't know. I remember, like, the second one is definitely not good, but I the third one, it just gets really weird. The second one's, like, fine. It's because they shot them two but and three back to back. Here's the thing, Kayla. Dads. Yeah. Have you considered dads? It's truly because they shot the two of them back to back, and I think they made, like, one whole movie during that time, Wait. and then had to split it into two movies. Wait, A Cure for Wellness is also about dads, does Gore Verbinski just have an issue with dads? I don't know. Is his dad okay? Should we give him a call? I don't know. This has been the Gore Verbinski corner of LDRFI. Uh, which is mostly just very confused, which is appropriate. Does anyone know what's going on with him? Please reach out in the comments. Thank you. I mean, you. he's making something called Space Loves. No, I already read that. I hate space movies. Not going to watch it. Can't do it. No. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the other movie that we both watched, so we decided Wait, we could eke in. Oh, no, couldn't have- you tell I definitely had so much more to say about A Cure for Wellness? D- do you? No, I don't. Okay. So the other movie that we both watched, so we thought we'd be economical because we're really good at that on this mm. podcast, um, was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, mm. which is, I think, can- our official Halloween season kickoff, if we're getting picky about it, since it's like. Not obviously the first horror movie that I've watched recently because that's just a state of being, but like it's the first theatrically released horror movie that and I've it, watched. And recently. it's set on Halloween. Yeah. Well, it starts on Halloween. Yeah. Good. Which makes it a very obvious early August release. Yeah. So here's the deal this movie is cute and good, but also gross and weird in mm. some places. It is at Just the, like a care for wellness. Uh, no. It is uh, at the limit of its PG-13 rating in a couple of places, I think, uh, gore and gross-wise. But all of the characters are characters that I immediately loved and cared for, especially our plunky heroine. I think this movie does a really great thing where actual teenagers are playing the teenagers. So just a fair warning, you might for a second think that they're 12 because Hollywood has lied to us about what teenagers look like, but they are real teenagers in real time. And I really appreciated that. Um, I also did not know going in that it's a period piece. So I actually really liked that setup of it being in the 1960s. And yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a lot of memories of the stories. Like I remembered the toe one. And I remembered the spot, the pimple one, because that's obviously gross and terrifying. But overall, like, I know a lot of people didn't like the framing of it, but I did. I thought it was a good way to connect those things and make us care about why they're happening and care about, I don't know, the premise. Because overall, like, at the end of the day, they're silly stories, even if they're meant to be scary. They're, they're scary stories. 
to tell in the dark. Yes. Yes. I don't know. What did you think of it? Like overall? I really enjoyed it. I yeah. thought it was nice. I got, I thought the kids were pretty good. I didn't, I didn't really care about the two friends, but it made me care about them in relation to the heroines such that. Yeah. It, it, they're good. <laughs> and we care about their friendship. Yeah. And I, I yeah. Uh, it, and it goes, I, it kind of like mines sixties nostalgia, but like, in a way to kind of create fear in a way, Mm -hmm. not with anything too complicated or too gross, but kind of the, one of the main characters is, uh, is of Hispanic descent. And it's like a plot point in the movie that he is a total outsider. And I, you know, movies have to find ways for kids to not go to authorities. And this one found a pretty natural way that like, you can't trust the cops. Yep. I, another thing, I, this movie, honestly, in some places, is scarier than it has ever any right to be. I, there were a couple of legitimate good jump scares that got me, but in the way, like, that classic, beautiful sleepover, everybody's watching a horror movie way, where I jumped and then immediately was, like, grinning and mm-hmm. excited about it. And I think that it captures that great, like, I don't know, being a kid and getting into horror movies it's like a rite of passage almost. Even if you don't like horror movies, you've been at a sleepover where you watched a scary movie and you all freaked yourselves out and had to stay up all night because you were scared. And it, like it's for kids, but it, it's like targeted at or like teenagers or whatever, like yeah. young people. They're kids to us, but in a way, old. <laughs> yeah. But it, like in a way that it doesn't softball it, but it also isn't traumatizing. It actually finds that weird, like that difficult middle line where mm-hmm. like it's not pandering, but also like not actually for adults, but like it's gonna teens. be a great entryway for a lot of like tween kids who are trying to get into horror. Like it's maybe what I would show one of my friends' kids knows that I'm super into horror movies and always is begging me like, will you come and watch a horror movie with me? Mom said if you said it was okay that we could watch it. And like I have been struggling to find one that is appropriately scary because he's like seven, but not like gross or sexual or scary. So like for instance, my first thought was he really wants to watch Halloween. Like he specifically is obsessed with the concept of Michael Myers, but I can't show him Halloween when the first thing that happens is a naked teenager gets stabbed. Or like he wants to watch Chucky, but I can't have him watch Chucky because all he does is say the F word a million times, like that kind of thing. So I think this is a really good gateway in that like it's legitimately scary and gross in some places, but not in a way that is inappropriate <laughs> for children. It's good that the movie has such a great grasp on what it wants to be, because I don't know if the studio knows what it wants to be, because the trailers before this were so bizarre. And I also didn't realize it was a PG-13 movie going, and I thought that it was PG. So I was very confused when R-rated horror movie trailers started playing. I think they just had nothing like similar to sell, except for like R-rated horror movies. I couldn't believe... And- there wasn't Whatever an, blockbusters they had. Yeah, I couldn't believe there wasn't an Adams Family trailer, first of all, because that seems like perfect cross-promotion. I wonder if, like, it's, pro- I mean... Like, too kiddish, I guess? Right. Like, different studio and not wanting to pay enough to advertise it before that movie. I don't I know. I guess. I don't know. Who decides that, though? Is it the theater? Like, uh, or the studio? It's a studio thing, I think. Is it? Interesting. Sure. I never knew that. The more you know. I, 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 I imagine no the theater chains are involved in it. To I some thought they extent, just picked. I thought the theaters just picked like what made the most sense, but I guess it makes sense. This would be a good thing to find out. Yeah, I guess we could do some research on that. Because well, there's obviously some theater discretion in some places, like because when we go to the Michigan, mm-hmm. 
they play differently. Play whatever's showing at the Michigan. Yeah. But like I imagine when you get to those big theater chains, they actually are in partnership with movie studios in a different way. And oh, but like mid, like the yeah. the Midway trailer showed before it, and like what's the only connection there? It's another Lionsgate movie. Is that what it, I literally was watching that, and I was so confused just, as to why it was there. It's just the a Lionsgate. I'm sure Lionsgate was just like, uh, we'll put this one in front. We don't know what else to sell, but we have this yeah. movie. That we need to sell. And it's also a period piece. And people die. Yeah, defo huge so, crossover between people who want to see scary stories to see in the dark and think about Pearl I mean, Harbor. Actually, there are more ties than I thought. <laughs> in that they are both about wars in like, you know. I guess. The mid 1900s. I mean, scary stories isn't know? really about the Vietnam War, I, though. I it's mean, just a backdrop. I guess. But, you know, it's quite the backdrop. Just True. You know? A bleak, a hard bleak time. backdrop. And the, also the monster design, like... In, yeah, that boy really Guillermo. Creepy, man. Yeah, Guillermo putting his touch there. <sighs> for I, sure. Andre Overdahl of uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe and Troll Hunter. Yeah, uh, I watched... So because of how gruesome this was, I watched the Autopsy of Jane Doe again after this. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, is that a great movie that is so fucking gross. <laughs> like, just... Oh, my God. I'm not even, like, particularly squeamish about blood and whatnot, but just something about knowing it that... Really captures the gooiness of it. I guess, I yeah, know. just the, the ribs cracking. I don't know. There's just... Maybe it's just that you know somewhere that she must be cognizant of it happening. I don't know. It's somehow worse to see it happen, like, in such a sterile environment than it is to watch an axe murderer in a movie or something. I don't know. Like the scary stories, like the guy who I forget what he's called, but the guy who can like come apart and back together. Oh God, yeah, not Dude, good. And also the the absorby lady didn't like that one bit. Ooh, yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like those, I like I am sure that like I had never read a scary stories to tell in the dark. So like I'm sure that like those characters are in that, but. Something about how they're realized here. Like, all of them mm-hmm. really mess with me. Or, like, when the kid is turned into a scarecrow. Like that's- Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's the other one. That was the other one that Ooh. I remembered from reading it when I was in, like, 7th or 8th grade. And just, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Lots of great sequences. Like, I highly, highly recommend this movie if you yeah. want to kick off your Halloween season in theaters in style before it part two comes out. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why, that's why this movie was made and came out in early August was like to capitalize on it, but also to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> and it did pretty well, which makes me happy because always like when good horror movies do well. Yeah. I'm definitely all in on whatever Overdahl is doing next because I'm super interested to see what the follow up is. But there's something called Mortal in 2020 that's a fantasy adventure origin story about a young man discovering he has godlike powers based on ancient Norwegian mythology. Oh no, he's going to go franchise. No, I'm just kidding. Starring Nat Wolf. Okay. Um, I specifically hate Vikings, so that kind of does not appeal to me. Mm. But maybe I'm sure that it will still be good and I'll probably see it at some point. Nat Wolf is very like grizzly. Yeah, he's the other one. He's the other one. Oh, that's right. Alex Wolf. Yeah. Right, Terry. That's right. That's right. I only know that Nat Wolf and Alex Wolf are people in the world who were on a TV show. The Naked Brothers Band. Okay. So mid 2000s. Yes. This is um, where me being a couple years older than you really shines. Well, so I actually, it was even because my little sister watched it. It's mm-hmm. a little, a little 
young even for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This has been the Naked Brothers Band corner of LTRF. We barely, like, we glanced at it. That was about it. <laughs> it's, that's, it's the corner. Okay, I guess, well, then we better the pivot to the other corner, which is the Happy Death Day room. Yes. Do we ever have metaphors that are not tortured? <laughs> no. We're really good at this. <laughs> Chris Evans is over there in oh, his Jesus corner. <laughs> What's in the fourth quarter, Caleb? What's in the fourth Although, quarter? No, it's we got Gore Verbinski. Okay. Naked Brothers Band. Okay. Chris Evans. Uh, you're pointing just to the back wall. I but. think Happy Death Day series is in its own room. Okay. A24 is the living room, I guess. Oh, I don't know what's God. in the other corner. I need a diagram now. I'll make a map. <laughs> I can put it in the show notes. I'll figure out what's in the other corner. Based on well, how previous are you building bits. roofs, we're building a house now. Yeah, this is our are home. There other floors. Our podcast home. Is yeah, this the, the IMD- main floor? IMDb is floor one. Okay. Now we're in floor two. That's why the oh, living room is a twenty four. Okay. Sure. <laughs> the attic is. That's um... oh, so we're stopping at three floors total. Yeah, the attic okay. is where we hide retired bits. So hating Jurassic World. Um, the other ones. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> happy death day! Woo! Is everything okay? Assuming that I believe any of this is even possible. Sprinklers, car alarm. The way I see it, you have unlimited amount of lives, unlimited opportunities to solve your own murder. So I'm supposed to keep dying until I figure out who my killer is? You want to live to see tomorrow, right? Whoever's killing you knows it's your birthday. Pretty much the entire school knows These are signs of major trauma. You should be dead. You relive the same day over and over again. Kind of start to see who you really are. Happy Death Day is the ongoing film franchise that features many of our favorite things. Uh, horror, jokes, time nonsense. <laughs> My three favorite things in which we follow the uh, the very rough day that Trey Geldman has. Uh, waking up just a wee bit hungover, you know, and having a hard time uh, in the first movie without giving too much away just yet. I guess, I guess that's where I'm not sure where we want, how we want to approach it. Maybe we should just start with our experience. Let's just, yeah, let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about the first one, yeah. naturally transition into the second one. I really find them to be two peas in a pod. Yeah. <laughs> like and I will say, like, you really can't talk about the second one without completely spoiling what happens in the first one. So if you do happen to want to watch these without, like... I don't know, any spoilers at all, I guess. Like, you really, like, yeah, that's just it. Yeah, and these are two, like, as a fair warning, um, these are two movies that you, like, honestly, you could know everything that's going to happen, and it's still a really fun ride. And I think that you could pick up the second one without having seen the first or whatever you want to do. But I really also think that they super benefit from being watched back-to-back because they're super fun, and they flow into each other literally perfectly on purpose. So it's it's good. And both surprise you by actually dealing, taking some time to deal with 
in intense emotion. And the second one even expounds upon that further in a more complex way. Yeah. Uh, these are really good. I remember <laughs> when the trailer first dropped. I can't remember what movie we saw in theaters. I remember sitting in the theater, but I don't remember the movie 2017, no. it might have... I don't know. Anyway, we... In theaters together. Yeah. Um, the trailer for this dropped, famously with 50 Cent's Into Club for the ringtone, which I wish they'd been able to get the rights for because it was so funny in its comedic execution. But I just remember we watched the trailer and I think we were both optimistic that it was going to be good. good. But it definitely, like every Blumhouse movie has that vibe of this is either going to rule or be terrible. Mm -hmm. So you can get a happy death day or a truth or dare. I can't. Both of which I saw in theaters because RIP movie pass. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know. Um, It was a movie that I think we were both anticipating and you saw it before I did. Do you remember that? It was a good gosh darn time with the movies is what it was. Yeah. Oh yeah, you didn't actually see it in theaters, did you? I think I don't, um, now that I'm thinking about it, I saw Happy Death Day 2 in theaters. I remember being very excited when you finally watched it. Yeah. Oh, I watched "Ah? it on your voodoo. That's Ah? what I did. (laughs) Yeah? Pretty good? Pretty good? Yes. It is very fun and entertaining and like, I guess, not especially scary, but I do think it is pretty thrilling (laughs) and... uh, the time, like the way both movies handle the uh, the time nonsense of it, I think is like satisfying without being. It, it just finds a nice balance of like yada yadaing the science mm-hmm. or like you know quote unquote science, but also not being slavishly devoted to the rules. Yeah, the worst thing a movie can do is over-explain what's happening. I think, and especially in cases of time travel, where it's like, okay, time travel is fake. We don't know how to do it. There's no reason to get so balled up in the specificity of how it could should or would happen and yeah i don't know going back to it being not like too scary this is my go-to halloween party movie we watched it last year at our halloween party Mm -hmm. because it can appeal to people who quote don't like horror movies i say quote because i think a lot of people who say that just don't watch good horror movies (laughs) not to be on my little soapbox already kinds of horror movies but uh it's a good it's a good hangout popcorn Everybody's having a, a drink or a, a soda movie. <laughs> a soda for those who don't drink. <laughs> Jessica, okay, first of all, Jessica Ross yes. is incredible in these movies, especially because, not to be an asshole, but I definitely went into this with the attitude of like, okay, budget Blake Lively horror movie. And one, she's a better actress than Blake Lively. <laughs> uh, and two, um, I don't know. This is, a, again, this is a movie that could easily be bad with the wrong people in the roles and the wrong people going through this story. Like it could easily be super ridiculous and you don't give a shit about anybody on screen. And yet every single person in this movie manages to bring something to their character that either makes you care about them or makes you hate them in the right way. And I think that when you have somebody like it's, it's a tough job because at the beginning of the movie tree is an asshole. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to like tree. She sucks. Like she's an asshole sorority girl who, like, is sleeping with a married professor and is shitty to all of her friends and tortures her roommate. And I don't know, like, to have somebody play that role in a way that you still root for her and don't want this to happen to her and want her to be better and get out of this time loop is a feat in and of itself. And it makes it kind of aspirational. Uh, it gives her kind of a tragic backstory that... that 
really works essentially. And it becomes her, like, rooting for her becoming a better person, you know? Mm-hmm. She's just trying a little harder and a little harder. And you've really grown to love her over time. And plus, she's you find out she's pretty funny. She's, she's got funny. quite the sense of humor. Yeah, she's funny. She's smart. She is interesting. I don't know. It's, and just, it's fairly self-aware, but just, like, buried underneath yeah, you know, this, a lot of grief. Grief, yeah. And that's the thing, too, is, like, how many movies have we watched where, like, the reason for a guy being shitty is that his dad died or something, and we're supposed to just be like, oh, okay, that explains it. It's totally fine that you're abusing people and killing them, whereas Tree's just being murdered over and over again. So, for us, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's easy. It does help to get us on a character's side when... Yeah, they suck, but they don't deserve to be murdered on their birthdays. So. <laughs> Repeatedly. <laughs> over over and over and over again. <laughs> so yes, I guess maybe that's the conceit of the movie is that Tree is stuck in a time loop in which she mm. is brutally murdered by somebody in her college baby mascot mm. mask um, every single day. And then the time loop resets. And she realizes that... She is accumulating damage basically each time she comes back, and that if she doesn't break the loop, she will eventually like die, die. And that is not the way that you want to break the loop, obviously. Yes. And so it is a race against number of deaths to find Mm -hmm. out who done it. Yes. And these movies also, each one has a montage set to a song that it it just has. Each movie has a really fun montage in which we see how she go ab- goes about trying to figure out why this is happening to her or who is doing it in ways that highlights like they ha- they highlight the side characters they show off kind of how funny she is and they're silly they're silly but earnest they're just these escapades that are just really enjoyable and just and also the way that they build the relationships between all of the characters is really good because it's again when you have this time resets or looping resets whatever narrative it's really really hard sometimes to believe that two people could fall in love that way but i think the way that they approach tree falling for um why Seth? No, that's that's the character in the OC who also has curly hair and is Jewish. Don't mind. It's Adam Brody. Uh, Carter. Carter. Thank you, Jesus. I literally just watched this movie yesterday. Um, when you see Tree falling for Carter, it makes sense why she would, why she would want to become a better version of herself for this person who basically drops everything every single day <laughs> to help somebody who most people would think is just crazy. Another thing that I really like about this movie is that it would be really easy to waste time on getting people to believe you, but the way that they set up these characters and the way that they write the relationships between them makes it really easy to believe that all of these people would just immediately do this, believe it generally. Or, like, give her the benefit of the doubt. yes, be interested. It's how kind of, like how we talk about what we like about it follows is that because they're all teenagers, they're willing to just accept this as fact and try to help their friend. These are a little bit older, they're in college and whatnot, but it's kind of the same principle where it's just, they want to help each other and they want to be better people at the end of the day. And I think that when you factor in the grief of losing her mother and when you see that like, I don't know, that fear of my mom died and now I'm going to die and trying to grapple with that, I I don't know, just the, I don't know if it's her performance or the writing, but they just do a really good job of like taking all of these things, which individually could make the series not work. And even when you get into the timey nonsense of it, the first one has this perfect balance of 
this is what is happening. Don't know why. It just is. And then the second one has this great balance of this is why it's happening. We have explained it, but not to the point where you feel like you need to sit there and poke holes in it, which is my least favorite thing that people do with time travel movies or trying to solve a mystery in a horror movie in general, like the Oculus argument <laughs> of which we shall not speak. I mean, the Happy Death Day is helped by the fact that I'd like it is more comedy than anything else. Like it is constantly doing jokes and I think it is pretty open about the fact that it's willing to fudge its own rules or like not explain certain rules for the sake of comedy. Say the second one, we see characters reactions to her death mm -hmm. for comedic reasons, even though I don't know, does like, does it reset as soon as she die or do the rest of the characters go? I don't actually know. Do they finish their day? Like with that knowledge? Yeah. The, the only time we even get a glimpse of it is when we see Carter and, uh, Danielle, Danielle <laughs> react to the yeah. reactor skydiving in front this of them. Is, okay. Yeah. And this is the thing too, where I actually, I was thinking about this when I rewatched it on Sunday where I was like, wow, it kind of sucks that tree definitely for at least 30 seconds traumatized a bunch of people because there's almost always a witness to how she kills herself yep. in the second movie. Um, I guess if you know the entire universe is going to reset and they'll have no memory of it. But so this is where we get into like when people compare it to primer, because in primer, the way that it works is every single time they're creating a new dimension basically mm -hmm. and all of them are just running around like running into each other and killing each other and stuff so it's i guess not a new dimension but a new i'm not going to try and explain primer because no part of it makes sense but um the one thing i know about primer is that you should never try to explain primer I've, just google primer timeline chart everybody it's literally just scribbles on a paper because <laughs> there's so much going on i don't know Love Shane Carruth. Crazy guy. Would love for him to be able to do anything, but I'm not going to explain primer to you. Someone make a movie. Let him make a movie. Let him make a movie. Literally, yes. Happy Death Day 2 is the primer for teen comedy horror movies. I Who was it? Who We literally just looked up who tweeted this, but... It was David Sims. David Sims, yes. My, my BFF, David Sims. Yeah. <laughs> Disclaimer, not my real BFF, I wish, but... <laughs> um, so it, it is... It sets up these, like... And Primer sets it up for you to think about it, the moral implications of it. Happy Death Day 2 sets nah. it up for you to laugh at and then never think about again. And I think that that's sometimes the smartest way to approach time nonsense is that... Tree is the only one getting any adverse effects from anything that is happening. Really. Yeah, what are her therapy sessions like, I wonder? I oh. <laughs> Got a whole lot of stuff to talk about there, but... Again, we talked about this a little bit off mic, but I think the really interesting parallel between the two movies is that the first movie is about changing yourself for the better, taking a look at your life and deciding to be a better person, acting, like deciding not to act on your worst impulses, whereas the second movie is about taking a look at the things that you can't change or that you shouldn't change because they're a part of you. And it's a surprisingly T like hard emotional punch for something that's so funny throughout for mm -hmm. the most part there are a lot of genuinely touching mo moments in both movies that make you root for everybody minus Danielle I guess <laughs> they're such interesting movies because I, I don't know again if you look at it every part of them could make it a bad movie and yet it isn't it's just this perfect microcosm of everything going completely right across two movies and I want them to make the third one 
so badly. And it's like, I want to get, like, uh, I think you need someone who is just, like, as charming, charismatic, and funny as Jessica Roth, who just sells every moment of it. Maybe one of my favorite screamers. I don't, it's just, her reactions to everything are incredible. Her facial expressions, facial the expressions. FML shirt, just, she just has a very expressive <laughs> face that works very well, but she is also able to uh, sell the emotional, mo- like, th- those emotional moments kind of come out of nowhere, or, like, they feel like they come out of nowhere, even as they're, like, very lightly sprinkled throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my thought kind of what, like, kind of crudely was, like, I think in I enjoy the first one structurally a bit more, just as, like, a fun thriller. But then the second one, I don't know if I like the uh, time nonsense elements of it as much, but, like, the relationship with her mom is so good for like something that is not really explored that much in the first movie mm-hmm. um and just adds a lot of character development for tree that it's 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 just very touching and yeah and i think that's actually another good point to make is that the first one is kind of like a horror like a slasher comedy mm-hmm. and i think the second one Yes, there is still a murderer, but it doesn't have that same – it's not indebted to the tropes in the same way, and it's not trying to be a horror movie. It's trying to be a sci-fi movie, or it it is a sci-fi movie, rather. So I think that if you don't like horror movies, you could watch the second one, which literally includes a 30-second recap of the first one, and have a perfectly fine time with it. And that's what I think sometimes – I know that there are a lot of horror purists who get really up in arms about, like, genre, and a lot of people who get up in arms – who aren't horror purists who say things aren't horror movies, yada, yada. This is the one case where I will agree the second one is maybe not really a horror movie. It's more of a sci-fi movie. And I think that that's okay because I think that when you can expand the universe of horror and when you can bring people in and make it accessible to people, it's better for the genre overall. The other thing, this is totally unrelated, but the other thing that Jessica Roth is really good at selling is that somebody can look good in a a giant cruddy boys t-shirt heels and crusty leftover mascara like i wish that i looked like that if i fell asleep in somebody else's bed and was hung over but alas i do not maybe if you had to live the day over yeah maybe over if again, i looked like jessica roth <laughs> you develop the lived experience just have the confidence and the that's the true yeah uh it off, you know it's sh- i have to note that in the second movie there is a montage set to hard times by paramore which is for me personally, the most on-brand and beautiful gift I could ever receive from a movie that I like. It's so... The last time that a Paramore song was in a movie that I liked was Jennifer's Body. And the other last time a Paramore song was in a movie was Twilight. (laughs) So, oh God. And Transformers, Age of Extinction? No, Dark Side of the Moon, maybe? There was a Paramore song on one of those soundtracks. Post-Pharaoh Split. (laughs) That's what the fourth corner is. It's the Paramore corner. <laughs> and also appreciate about the sequel. Um, the ways that in which it is a sequel, I think it handles very deftly. And that even though it is re- in certain sense rewriting the first movie, it doesn't sweat the first movie too much. But it does use the goodwill built up in the first movie in a positive way. Um 
tree in general, I think, reacts like many people would react to such a situation. And it's, she does so in such an entertaining way. And she's just so exhausted and over this shit as soon as it starts happening in the second one again and it's one of the most entertaining scenes uh in movie history yeah her waking up and realizing it's her birthday again is a top 10 comedy scene for me of all time maybe (laughs) i just we talked i don't want to quote it directly because i don't want to spoil it for you guys if you haven't seen it but it is so good so pure (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man yeah, I don't know. I love this series. I the thing that I have arrived at is my rant well, about the franchise. I mean, we could continuing. say one last nice thing, yes, which is that though. like the this movie is also like very quietly very good at representation and hmm. that like yes, it is about like a, a straight white girl and her falling in love with a straight white boy, but almost every other character is neither of those things. Plenty of actors of color in there who mm-hmm. get they who they definitely don't have as fully developed characters, but they get to like they get some of the funniest. They lines do of the, the stuff, movie. yeah. They're they get in tons it. Tons of screen time. They're honestly the ones doing most of the work in, in certain ways. I love when I accidentally nod profusely, like anybody can see that I'm doing. That. I mean, I feel like that's what I do most of the time when you're making smart <laughs> points. I'm like, yes, Kayla, go off, Just, but not say anything <laughs> yes, at all, Queen. <laughs> um, uh, Kayla, uh, your your challenge to one, Mr. Blum. All right, we've uh, issue it. <laughs> we've blocked out 45 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so here's the deal. I want. We jokingly for this, inter- for this ongoing movie yes, franchise. We have jokingly introduced the movie as an ongoing franchise. There's However, no about this, how dare you? There was a direct refutation of the claim that production for number three has started by Chris Landon because, according to his Twitter, there are no plans to make it unless Netflix or somebody else wants to step in. Which seemed really like just. It's not happening. Jason Blum, what the actual fuck, you asshole. First of all, I will fight you. (laughs) I will fight you. And if I win, you have to make Happy Death Day 3. Second of all, explain to me how Blumhouse made a Halloween movie that made a fuck ton of money. Like, honestly, more money than it had any right to make optioned sequels for Halloween movies that will then also make more money than they have any right to make, and that the entire premise of your studio is based on making a movie for $14 and then making a million dollars at the box office because anyone will go see a shitty horror movie, but you can't find it anywhere in your checkbook (laughs) to make Happy Death Day 3 because why? I don't know. Both movies made back their budget. The second one didn't make They made back and then I think surpassed, like profited. Both movies were profitable. The second one, maybe not as much as the first one, but maybe that's because you released it at Valentine's Day. Um, I don't know. I'm not a professional marketer, but like it's a summer horror movie just released in summer. Just a thought that I had. And it's like, okay, these movies cost like 20 mil to make. Maybe well the thirty the, mil. The reported max. budget on the second one was nine million dollars, and okay, so four dollars in Hollywood. <laughs> and you have Halloween making a bazillion dollars over here on also a low budget. So when you have this movie that doesn't cost a lot to make, is profitable, 
And people like... And has the greatest end tag setting up a sequel, I think, of all time. Like, I've, I've crunched the numbers and it checks out. Like, I get it. Okay, we're in this fucking Disney owns everything world and every new Marvel movie sets a box office record and they all have to be $300 million movies or whatever. But, like, do they? Because they don't. Okay, I just... I hate to be all, like... We live in a society and Disney owns everything and the death of art and whatnot because I don't think it's like necessarily a bad thing that 40% of all movies are comic book movies now. Okay, I do. But like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's not every movie is going to be a smash hit, but that doesn't mean that every movie that isn't a smash hit, isn't worthy of being made. And especially when the series is profitable and has a fandom, it doesn't make any sense to not just make the third one. You have the budget to do it. You have the fans who want to see it. Explain to me why you can make three Halloween sequels that nobody asked for. I mean, according to the ticket stubs, they did. Okay, but here, like, I know. But according to Happy Death Day tickets... They did also ask for a third We're not even asking for a mid-budget movie. This is like, what about a small? Not a micro... Sure, it's a little, it's more than 5 million, but it's like less than 15 million. Oh my God. It's just, it's just so frustrating to me because I like Marvel movies and I like blockbuster movies, but sometimes I just don't want everything to be a remake or a sequel or a universe. You know, I just. I mean, we're asking for a sequel. I know, but like. I'm saying, like, not, I don't know. I, I will don't, stop devils advocating. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that this is an original concept. It's an original series. It has a funny, smart heroine at the center of it. A star-making turn. Yeah, like, I just, I don't need more Halloween movies. I want something interesting and different. I want a small movie that doesn't cost that much to make and then makes money to be able to be greenlit for a sequel. Like, that's really the issue, is that there's no reason not to greenlight the sequel other than, I guess it's not going to make $100 million, so what's the point? Or, like, X percent of its budget back. Or, like, and, like in, it's not going to make, like, 300% its budget. It might make, like, 150% of its which budget. Which is awesome. Like, and that's the thing. That's what it's really... It's like, it's a good, fun, well-received movie series that is clever, has, seems to involve mostly good people, and is, like, good for... It feels, like, actively good for, like, certain representational things than, like, I don't know if whatever the... Sorry to beat up on Truth or Dare, but, like, any... Insert any of those Truth or Dare was bad. And it's also just, like, no offense, Jason Blum, but you're already in hot water for not hiring women ever. Could you maybe just keep the movie that stars a woman, like, and isn't bad? And directed by a gay man. Like, yes. It's it's such... I don't know. It's just... I really feel like this highlights the crux of the issue in modern Hollywood, in that it is a successful movie, but it still can't get its sequels greenlit because it's not going to smash perform at the box office and it's not necessarily, like, universe set And, again, I try not to be down on this stuff too much because it's, you know, you know this, we have all heard this argument, but it's just so depressing to me, <laughs> like, that Happy Death Day can't get a sequel when it literally has every reason to and then I have to look at the slate of Marvel movies owned by Disney, Fox movies owned by Disney. 
Hulu owned by Disney. Like, you know, it's just fucking exhausting, okay? When I think about it and I'm like, oh my God, maybe we are truly approaching the death of art. I don't know. (laughs) It's a spiral, all right? You can get there too. So Again, we're not even like asking for the mid budget movies. It's it's so the small budget. It's movies. so tiny. Just let her do it. Just let him but do not, it. But it's uh, not it's not tiny budget enough, Kayla. Insane, Jason Blum. I'll fucking fight you. You're a coward. <laughs> I would like to challenge all LTRFI listeners, all twelve of you. I personally am not going to purchase a movie theater ticket to see a Halloween sequel in protest of Happy Death Day not getting a sequel because it's absolutely fucking bonkers. And I refuse to give Jason Blum money when he won't give me the thing that I want. (laughs) So maybe that's petty. And like, yeah, I'll probably still see the Halloween movies when they eventually hit Shudder or Voodoo or whatever. But I just, if the only way that I can vote for things in Hollywood is with my money, and my money is a very small drop in the bucket, I don't know. Let's just see what we can do. I would really I'm like to stay in and watch Happy Death Day instead. I would really like for this sequel to happen, and I think that maybe and just like the one, just like just finish the trilogy. It nicely, it's a good you know? trilogy, yeah. yeah. Like just let him do it. <laughs> so I think if maybe we could all get on this train and talk about it on social media, vote with the doll hairs. Why? <laughs> Why? I just want this sequel and. In a world where every sequel in the entire universe gets made regardless of anything. Honestly. Why can't I have this? (laughs) Why can't we have this? I'm making it about me, but really the world would be a better place. It would. With a finished Happy Death Day trilogy. It would. Can't stress enough that the sting at the end of Happy Death Day 2 is so good. So good. It's perfect. I just just want it. And you should too. (laughs) And we should demand... These kinds of movies from studios that we love, we should demand that we get interesting new concepts instead of just the same rehashed, rebooted series over and over and over again. Like, those can be fun, but at the end of the day, we deserve to have a multitude of things and not just remakes and properties and whatnot. I'm looking forward to the Happy Death Day reboot in 2028. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? If it takes that long to get it, fine. Then it can be a cult reboot. I don't care. <laughs> fine. But I would prefer to have it in by like 2022 or 2023 at the latest. Thank you, Jason Blum. Again, I will be outside of the Wendy's and I will fist fight you for the rights to make Happy Death Day 3. Call I mean, can we like play a game or something? No, I'm going to fist fight okay, him. Okay, fine, fine. I'm going to do don't, it. You're going to fist fight him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Jason Blum. I've never seen I, – I, I don't even think I've ever even seen a picture of Jason Blum now that I'm thinking about it. But I know that my righteous fury and love for art can defeat him in battle. And if not, you'll get a ch- another chance the next day and the next day. I'm just going to take the, the Uwe method of fighting anyone who pisses me off in Hollywood. <laughs> So yeah. that's been Happy Death Day. Yeah. The ongoing movie franchise. The ongoing movie franchise, Jason Blum, you fucking coward. <laughs> <laughs> we we really like these movies. <laughs> they are clever and fun and silly, but earnest. And just very just yeah, just very smartly put together. They're just like the perfect popcorn movie in a way. Tight 90 minutes. Mm. 
Right. Good. Just full of jokes. Nice. Had plenty of rewatchable value. Just smart enough and clever enough to like, you know, engage your brain, but also not sweating it so much that you could put it on the background of a party and have a good gosh darn time. Yeah. I made pumpkin soup and cranberry meatballs and cookies and we all had a great time at our Halloween party last year. So Mm. it was good. Yeah. Tyler, uh, as a follow-up to Happy Death Day, what would you recommend if while you're waiting for Happy Death Day 3 to come out, which it will, what would you watch in the meantime as well, a recommendation? Well, between Happy Death Day and 1 and Happy Death Day 3, I would recommend Happy Death Day. You know what? No. <laughs> that's not what I meant. Uh, okay. So, I mean, some of the – there's I feel like I have already burned most of my time nonsense uh, go-tos either by actually recommending them on here at some point in the past or just by mentioning coherence all the time. Um, so the one I, uh, the movie I want to recommend is, uh, is on Shutter. It's called You Must Be the Killer. It is a movie based on a Twitter conversation between two, I guess now kind of Twitter famous horror authors. I was very excited because it stars Whedon Verse alums, uh, <laughs> Frank Krantz and Allison Hannigan as, you know, the buddies. Frank Krantz is at a summer camp where things have gone horribly wrong and people have been slashed as they always, as always happens at a summer camp. Don't go to summer camp. He calls his friend and says, everybody around me is dying. What do I do? And so Allison Hannigan, who runs like a nerd store or whatever, is talking him through it. And they realize slowly over the call, you know what, buddy, I think you might be the killer. And shenanigans go off from there. It's another movie. Like, I don't love it as much. Like, it is not as, like, fun or thrilling as Happy Death Day. But it is just a fun, silly movie that I greatly enjoy. And it's now available streaming on Shudder, which you can subscribe to for only $4.99. Is it only $4.99 a month? Yeah, it is. Wow. That's such a great deal. It's like, I'm like, I just used Tyler's login, so that was a complete, <laughs> genuine reaction. And um, God damn it. we are not endorsed by Shudder, unfortunately, but maybe someday we could be. Why would they? We talk about it all the time anyway. I actually, so uh, I don't actually need money from you, but I do want to be best friends with the guy that runs it. I can't remember his name right Sam now. Sam Zimmerman. Yeah. Love a good I mean, drama horror. You can invite him on person. the podcast. He does podcasts. I guess there's nothing stopping us from doing no, that. No, that's... Cool. <laughs> do you want to play this out now? Sure. Let me pull up my email. Okay. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, do you want to help us... Ra- <laughs> is this live? <laughs> Submit live edits to our Google oh Doc. God. All right. Anyway, um, so for me, when I was thinking about a movie that I would recommend to watch after watching both Happy Death Days while waiting for Happy Death Day 3 to come out, um, I decided to step away from time nonsense. Although, if you want a migraine, you can watch Primer. But the movie that I am choosing to recommend is called Serial Mom. It is an absurdist horror comedy about a suburban mom who is a serial killer on the down low, but presents the picture of absolute perfection on the outside. Played by Kathleen Turner. Uh, The movie is directed by John Waters, which is also hilarious and interesting. Um, And yeah, it's just this absolute absurd movie in which you have this mom baking pies and 
acting like a perfect housewife and then saying like prank calling her neighbor to call her the c word and killing people who vaguely inconvenience her because it's just not polite okay in that way she shares a lot of uh methodology with hannibal lecter and yeah so it has sam waters as her husband ricky lake as her daughter and matthew lillard as her son and it's just a great cast a super fun movie um i watched it on a whim with ben last summer and we both are obsessed with it kind of and we're actually super lucky we're gonna get to see the anniversary showing of it at salem horror fest this year so our other unofficial sponsor our other unofficial one of our other five unofficial sponsors i have said before that salem horror can hire me to plan things for them because i'm very good at it i mean have you submitted an application they don't have any yet um that i know of i also don't live in salem massachusetts (laughs) but i sure would love to help curate part of that i'm just saying you say they can do it but like you know just maybe engage with them a bit you never know. Maybe. Anyway, uh, Salem Horror <laughs> Fest, big mood, big love. <laughs> we leave in 40 days. Oh my God, is it really that close? Yes. I have so much terror, like, well, not terrible, but so much uh, ridiculous work travel that I have to do before then that it that feels, that's like the end. Oh, we get it. You're a fabulous jet setter. God, I'm so scared. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so that's. Uh, the light at the end of the tunnel for me. <laughs> I'm so excited and I'm maybe not going to be a real person because I literally fly back from San Francisco on September 26th and then we leave for Salem on September 28th. So I have to do all of my laundry. At an and that's air- skipping over when you go to a different country. Yeah. Um, we will be pre-recording the September episode because <laughs> I will be in the United Kingdom. Crazy. I literally can't believe that this is real and that these next two months are even happening. So I have had four stress dreams so far about getting like falling off a plane, missing my plane, losing my suitcase. Um, Real, uh, I gotta say, uh, descending order in how terrible they are. <laughs> it's a real Kayla <laughs> thing. Real Kayla thing to be like, you know what's the worst thing that could happen out of all those dreams? Losing my suitcase. <laughs> we very quickly went from falling out of the plane to, oh my god, I left my suitcase in the other room. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's going great. I am definitely not totally freaking out. But yeah, so, um, that has been. <laughs> Your August episode of Let the Right Films In. <laughs> and I just want to wish to everyone a very happy, happy death day day. To you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think for our next episode, we're planning a kind of, we're going to try to get away from horror a little bit because I know that not everybody who listens to the podcast likes horror. We just kind of accidentally <laughs> slip into it at all times. Accidentally. Like, honestly, though, we sat down to have a podcast planning meeting and we got about 30 minutes in and I was like, do you just do happy death days? Wait a minute. <laughs> we got to do something that isn't a horror movie because there are people who don't like them and we appreciate and love all of our listeners. So we don't want you to feel alienated <laughs> and think that it's only going to be horror movies. So we have sort of planned a back to school themed episode for mm-hmm. September. We will definitely have those movies picked and ready to talk about by then. So, and then we'll immediately be going back into horror whenever we Well, okay, that's October. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we will be at Salem Horror Fest the first weekend of October. So we'll be doing a recap episode of that again. If you are going to Salem Horror Fest and you want to get lunch or a drink or just meet up and sit together at a movie theater, please let us know. That would be so amazing. We will be seeing our favorite, also unofficial sponsor, Faculty of Horror. Love them a lot. If you have not listened to them, you should. Um, And yeah, so if you want to get a hold of us, 
not in person at Salem Horror Fest. You can tweet us at LTRFIPod. You can email us at LTRFIPod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at LTRFIPod. And you can scream into the void and maybe we'll hear it. I don't know. You could also mention our Patreon. Oh, yeah. That's that's a new one. Sorry. That's new. So uh, we have set up a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash LTRFIPod. We have tiers as low as $1. Um, I have not fixed this yet because my life has been really terrible with work. Um, but Tyler pointed out that you apparently on the Patreon cannot actually see the rewards, which is insane because it seems to me like you should that should be a feature automatically that if you are clicking on a Patreon, the tier rewards should be available to you. So Nope, you gotta include them in the description. Jesus Christ. Okay, so the one dollar <laughs> tier is thanks a lot. We love you. Mm-hmm. Thanks to the single person who has two. um two Two. To the two people who have signed up for the $1, um, thank you. That pays for one movie. We love you. Um, there is a $5 tier. In the $5 tier, you get an on-air shout-out with your name, I guess, since I just on-air shouted out the No, $1. no, I pick out a name for you. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Tyler, <laughs> is that it? <laughs> yep, you, I literally wrote these descriptions and I can't remember them. <laughs> no, no, I made that up just now. It's oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Tyler will make up a fun movie-themed name for you. I'll add that to the description, I guess. <laughs> Um, if you donate, now I have to do that. If you donate $10, we will mail you a card. And also, oh my god, I never, hold on, I should probably just log, we're gonna cut all of this. Nope. <laughs> I should probably look at what the fucking tears are before I start talking about them. No. I mean, you better, you'll have to, I mean, you can't see them, so. No, I'm logging in, <laughs> so sure, I can sure, look at it. Story, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, oh fuck, what's the password? I have a hard stop at 5.30 and I'm trying to log into Patreon. Oh, Fuck, I have to verify the device. Are you logged into the Gmail on your phone? Yep. Can you verify it, please? Yep. I got the email. Can you just click Someone's on it? Someone's trying to log into our Patreon, Kayla. Can you? I just need to look at your phone. Because it's not going to do it from my phone, obviously. Cutting everything that just happened. Wait, wait. Like, going back how far? Cut me talking about Patreon entirely. Okay, so we're not going to talk about Patreon at all. No, I'm going to restart the patreon cut everything that just happened okay we're gonna restart only we're gonna do the patreon part again but only the patreon part so keep everything before keep that. all the twitter and everything okay where you say what about the happy death day part stop <laughs> where cut from where you say you can talk about our patreon okay okay yes our patreon that i set up <laughs> you can't start a restart by laughing sorry okay i'll do it again <laughs> Because that is just like, <laughs> why? Yes, why are you talking about our Patreon? <laughs> our Patreon. <laughs> so our Patreon. a five thirty hard stop. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> no, this is the worst time for this to happen. Don't look at me. Your phone's at three percent. Okay. Yeah, our Patreon that I set up last month and then completely forgot about. Uh, it has come to my attention that you can't see what the tier rewards nope. are. Um which sucks. So now, oh my God, they're not even in the overview. No. God. <laughs> this is Jesus. Okay, hold on. So oh, it turns out Christ. when you set up a Patreon. Why is this so What Kayla has learned is that you have to choose like from okay. a drop down menu or whatever what the reward tier is when you're setting it up. But does that that does not mean it is available to view to just any Joe Schmo like me looking at the Patreon. It doesn't even have them set up in a way that makes sense because it doesn't tell you what tier they're for. I know. This is why I told you, like, I literally cannot tell. Like, I was like, Kayla, are we going to add rewards to our tiers? <laughs> Jesus. 
I'm guys, I'm so sorry. You can leave this in because this is the second time it's happened. So um yeah, okay, patrons. So we spent twenty minutes Benefits. logging into Patreon. <laughs> All right. So for the one and five dollar tiers, you will receive an on-air thank you. We are so grateful for your support. It means the world to us. For also, I think five dollars because it doesn't even tell me what tier the rewards are for oh, oh my God. <laughs> you will get a mailed thank you card at five and ten dollars at ten and fifteen dollars you can pick a movie for us to talk about get a mailed thank you card and an on-air and prior thanks. previous rewards. all yes. previous rewards yes if you donate twenty dollars a month to us for some reason you can be a guest on this podcast you can pick the movie we will have you on. You can talk about it. If you live near us, we can do it in person. If you do not live near us, as long as you have like Apple headphones with a microphone on them, that's fine enough. We've used that before in the past. So yeah, um, that's our Patreon. And if we somehow were to reach $100, right. uh, Kayla will live in a haunted house for one whole month. That is not what I said. Um, if we somehow reach $100 a month and not just somebody donates $100 to make me do this, Glenn, I fucking see you. This does not count. You have to. We have to reach $100 a month in sustainable, ongoing donations. So enlist your friends and tell them, hey, I'll reimburse you, but I need like four other people to also contribute $20. So the thing is that we will go to a haunted house where people can touch you, which is my worst fear. Tyler can record some ambient noise on his phone of me getting the shit scared out of me, and we will record an episode about it after that with the ambient noise and on live whatever dropped in. I mean, see, the fun thing is that this is never actually going it, yeah, it's next never going to happen next year. I don't even need to be afraid because this will never yeah. happen. I but. do think we need to add another goal. That's like I would like to do some form of bonus episode to add extra content, but we'd ha- would, like it would probably just be like extra recently watched sections every month. But we'd have to reach a certain like I don't know like twenty five dollar tier level. Yeah, or if you something. guys give yeah, uh, or even if we reach a certain like if we were to get like twenty dollars a month. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like like what's, total. Right. And then, then we like, can afford to see more movies every month because the matinees are $5. So, like, I guess, like, we'll add that to it. But, like, we haven't picked a dollar amount yet. But I do think it'll just be, like, about, like, you know, how other podcasts on Patreon work. You yes. get access to a bonus feed. We'll start doing guaranteed monthly bonus episodes. We are still working on it. Yes. But um, work in progress. If you love us, you can give us some money. And we will appreciate it eternally is the bottom line of the Patreon. And there are rewards there, we swear. <laughs> there are they rewards. They will be updated by the time this is posted. I will do that. Remind me to do it tomorrow. I mean, I can do it too. I'll just do it at work. I'll okay. just fix it at work tomorrow morning. Awesome. So thank you so much for listening to Let the Right Films In. Um, we will see you soon.
Okay, so to recap for the bloopers, uh, we stayed pretty well on track the entire time, lost the thread completely when we got to the actual movies, and then I had to go to the bathroom on mic. <laughs> well, I mean, you left the room. Oh, I did leave the room. Yeah, okay. I didn't take the microphone with me, but... <laughs> okay, let me um, take a stab at this again. Right. <laughs> Cut that. Nope.